0: strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. As always, we appreciate you spending uh, part of your morning here. A lot to get to uh, that happened over the weekend. One of the biggest news stories uh, has to do with the uh, state of Arizona suing the Biden administration to keep the shipping containers along the southern border of the United States, or of, of specifically Arizona. Uh, I think this is a big story nationally because it, does, it, it, it it's about states' rights, and it's also about federal authority, and there has always been an argument. And a lot of times when Supreme Court cases come up in this regard, the outcome of the case doesn't matter as much to me as the implications when it comes to states' rights issues. Roe v. Wade is a big example of that. I was very, I was very clear after Roe v. Wade, that decision came down and went back to the states – to have everybody's enthusiasm tempered, to tell all of my pro-life friends that you better be very, very careful. I would temper your enthusiasm because states like Arizona may be very restrictive when it comes to abortions, but states like California now are going to try to do things a bit differently. So now there's this quandary in Washington, D.C. as they're trying to figure out what to do with abortion because now they're talking about a 15 weeks uh, personhood um, uh, law, which is the opposite of what we've been saying for a very long time, which is it has nothing to do with D.C. It should remain with the states. I digress. That's, a, that, I'm, that's states' rights stuff. That's how I see this here. There is the responsibility of the federal government to have a strong military, to protect our borders, infrastructure. These are the basic tenets. These are the basic jobs of the, uh, of the federal government, and they are not doing it at the southern border. We've had record numbers of people, what, 2.38 million encounters at the border. We've got a huge uptick in the number of people on the terror watch list. I saw a story this weekend that a suspected assassin was captured at the border. I mean, it has gotten to be absolutely out of control at our southern border. And who is paying the price first are the border states where people are crossing, all of that we know to be true so this lawsuit is is interesting. I'm just going to read this is from uh, the, this is from a Wall Street Journal story. the Arizona sued seeking to keep in place roughly 125 steel shipping containers using to fill the gaps along the border in Yuma and um, the political arguments are this from people on both sides of the political aisle. One side of the aisle says it's not fixing anything and you know, I try to be fair you're right. It doesn't fix anything. But what it does is help Yuma. And it redirects people in other places. Just like when the federal government sent a surge of of border agents, whether it was ICE or CBP agents, to parts of Texas where there were a lot of people crossing at once. What did the cartels do? The cartels shifted those people into Arizona, and we saw a huge uptick in crossings at Yuma. So it is like playing whack-a-mole. It really is policies are such that people know that they are staying here in droves. Here's another fascinating wrinkle in all of this. Over the weekend, it was reported that there has been a significant drop in Venezuelans coming to the U.S. Why? Because the policy decision was made by the White House to tell all the Venezuelans that if you come here from Venezuela, you will be immediately turned around and sent back to Venezuela. So that policy decision That policy decision has been one that um, that has shown that Venezuelans are not going to waste the money and waste the time and take the risk to come all the way to the southern border of the United States if they know that when they get here, they will be turned around and sent back. It is a deterrent. Why aren't we doing this with all of these other countries? Again, we can be compassionate. We should be compassionate. We should be trying to allow asylum seekers who are justifiable in their request for asylum. We should be able to to give them refuge. We are not able to do anything sufficiently with what's happening. I want you to hear uh, Jay O'Brien. This is about the border and the numbers of people that have been crossing. New data from the Border Patrol shows there were 2.7 million migrant encounters along the southern border in the last year, crushing the previous record set in 2021 when officers encountered 1.9 million migrants. That's almost, almost a million more people. They're still getting fentanyl across the border. That is still happening in, in big, big numbers. Um, the apprehensions, all of this stuff is fueling what's going on. But here's something interesting, um, and this kind of crosses topics, but it's one that we got to start breaking down walls and stereotypes. This is from CNN. Well, with the midterm elections less than three weeks away, immigration remains a top issue among Latino voters. But views on legal and illegal immigration vary greatly. Um, uh, someone named Marie T- uh, Teixeira, I think it's been misunderstood. This is a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute who has studied Latino voter preferences for decades. Here's the quote. While many Latino voters support a more humane treatment of migrants and creating a pathway to citizenship for the undocumented, Teixeira said, there are many in the community who are, here's the quote, are not really interested or delighted by the idea of that people can just pour across the border. They also think we, we need more border security. The fantasy out there that um, the Latino voters in America are happy about this or okay with this is not true in the numbers that they say. There is no absolute in anything. Growing up where I did, growing up how I did uh, it, around the people I did, the Cuban immigrants, uh the, the Mexican immigrants, the Russian immigrants, um uh I know some people from Albania. I mean people from all over the world. I've met and become close friends with and listen to their story. A legal immigrant to the United States that understands what real family separation looks like, what real um you know expense is spent, the years that it takes in order to become an American citizen. They truly do earn it and they feel as if they've earned it and we need to give them the respect that they deserve because they've earned it. To have groups of people come here, do it the wrong way, make demands, and then get the same thing they have is discouraging. You you take away, it's like a participation trophy. You know, you take away the significance of earning the trophy. Now again, being compassionate we have we have the world's poor the world's uh you know and it's not just poor people that come here but we have people from around the world that realize that any opportunity they have for their children to live a real high quality life is on the shores of the united states we all know that and being compassionate we need a robust immigration system but what we have to stop doing is calling everybody a migrant We have got to start making sure that people that come to this country legally are held up as a shining example of what you can accomplish by becoming an American. And if you come here illegally, you should know you're going to be turned around. I mean, I have a lot of ideas of what could work. You know, and I guess it's we keep the labor on the point, but um, there are a lot of things that can be done and nothing is. So we're going to talk as the morning goes on. We're going to talk about some of these things in a moment. um, We're going to talk about schools. Math scores especially have plummeted since the pandemic. We're going to talk about solutions to that issue coming up in just a few moments. We appreciate you spending time with us. Math score drop in every state during the pandemic, according to a report card. And that's where I want to start this conversation about education. That was a big part of our conversation on, on Sunday yesterday with, uh, with gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. And we're going to get to some of her comments on education as, as the morning goes on. And I think I may play a little bit of it in a moment. But I want you to hear Stephanie Ramos talking about these test scores and what's happened.
1: Really unfortunate news about student test scores declining across the country. According to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, which serves as a kind of national report card, declines were seen among high and lower performing students in fourth and eighth grade in both math and reading. Math scores for eighth grade fell by eight points from 282 in 2019 to 274 this year. The sharpest decline recorded in more than half a century of testing.
0: So this nation's report card, new results from the national assessment of education, educational progress, better known as the nation's report card, revealed this steep decline in math. Um, The results of today's national report card are appalling and unacceptable. The education secretary, Miguel Cardona, told reporters, this is a moment of truth for education. How we respond to this will determine not only our recovery, but our nation's standing in the world. I would say with all due respect that this is horrible, horrible news, but we have not been getting good news on education standards and and meeting those standards in the U.S. in a long time, which is why people have been been very, very outspoken. Uh, Parents had no idea. And I think it's out of an abundance of trust that what was happening in the classrooms had been happening in classrooms. And with the uh, with online learning, parents saw in the classroom, parents were looking at teachers in these Zoom classes and watching what they were teaching. Now, again, um, when we talked – when I talked with uh, with um, Carrie Lake on, on Sunday, yesterday, the conversation about education was very telling to me because she said a lot of things um, about how she would do things and not teaching to the test. The teachers are not teaching to children's minds. But she also talked about the expansion of ESA, which is the, they're now called, they used to be called the empowerment scholarship accounts. They're now just educational savings accounts, I think what the ESA has now been switched to. But I want you to hear her stance on the ESA expansion under Governor Ducey.
1: With ESA for All, when a parent can say, I don't like what they're teaching at this school, we're moving our child to this school, or we're going to homeschool them, those schools, our government-run schools, are going to very quickly have to change course and up the curriculum and make for better educated kids. You know, one of
0: the things that's interesting about this entire conversation is now parents are beginning to look more closely. If you're a shareholder in a corporation and you know an investor in a corporation, it's one thing. If you have a big share in all of that, it's different. You want to see how money is being spent. If you are the CEO of a corporation, if you are a small business owner, you keep a very close eye on where you spend your money. And then when things get tight, when inflation happens or a recession happens or both happens, you're very careful about how you spend money and where you spend money. And one of the things that we ought to be looking at is yes, curriculum. And we can argue the validity and this is where we get stuck. Is there really critical race theory that's being taught? Is there social emotional learning? What is what SEL? What's social emotional learning? How do the two of them work together? Are we doing it? What does it mean if we are? All of those battles happen behind the scenes. You hear the teacher organization say it doesn't exist. It's not happening in Arizona. And parents groups say, yes, it is. It's happening every day. And most parents don't know what. what. What it means or why it matters because they trust the schools to the experts in schools. But now that parents are seeing that the children are not learning like they should, they can't read, they cannot perform math skills. Now the question should shift. The the question should be just like anybody. If this was a business, we would be asking ourselves, what do we do best? Because we are going to get back to that. What is our mission? If you're a carpet cleaning company, what's our mission? We were starting to branch out into other things, but we got to get back to making sure everybody understands that what we do really, really well is we clean carpets. And this is what schools have gotten away from. We can talk about the value of these things, the gender study stuff and everything else, the sex education for very young kids. And it's inflammatory. I'm part of it because it makes me crazy like a lot of people. But in the end, isn't it that we should be prioritizing differently on two levels? One is to raise the scores without a doubt. We need kids that can perform math and that kids that can read. We need all of that to be true. The other part of it is this big argument we have in Arizona over funding. If we truly are an underfunded state, and I'm not going to argue the case for it or against it, but teacher organizations in Arizona are screaming about being underfunded, and um, and so we're gonna we have to get to we're gonna have to get to all of this. You know what I mean? We're gonna have to look at how we do this with schools. And um, if we don't, if we don't start getting a handle on it, we're going to be in big, big trouble. Coming up in a moment, America sets another record for revenue. We'll get to that coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, I want to remind you, the Eagles just announced they're returning to the Footprint Center on March 1st of 2023 for the Hotel California 2023 Tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you could win a pair by heading over to the contest page at KTAR.com um obviously the big news you just heard on st louis a school shooting that happened three people dead we will be on this all day long uh, as uh, here at ktar news that's why i tell you all the time download that ktar news app anytime news breaks you'll be notified on your device if it's happening on the air you can listen there if it's something in print or on our website obviously uh, not in print but on our website you will be directed there from the link um There is a big concern about our economy and um, people should be concerned about it. Uh, The federal government set another record for revenue into the treasury. I have been um, talking about this for quite a long time and this is where my problem lies. You know, going back to Reagan, I was just reading some stuff about Reagan the other day because of of the respect within the Republican Party, but nationally and internationally that people still have for his communication skills as we get older and it is this and I promise you, all of you that are much younger than me, um, you will. There will be a day when you are. You look back and think, "Man, am I really talking about the good old days?" It happens. It will happen to everyone. But I don't believe that looking back at the 1980s is just nostalgic for me because I was young. And No, I I do believe that there were some significant changes that were ushered in when Ronald Reagan became president. And I want to give some people just a little bit of a history lesson of what happens in American politics and that how you can't get so dead set in one area sometimes. Ronald Reagan for a while was reviled by the Republican Party. He primaried Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford became the president when Nixon left the office and was never elected to president or vice president for that matter. And so Gerald Ford uh, was was primaried by Ronald Reagan and he won the primary against Reagan. But the Republican Party didn't like showing that division at the time. But he won the election in 1980 with all the predictions he had made coming true and truly became Ronald Reagan in his second term when he started that second term in 1985. Uh, um, but the fact of the matter is what Ronald Reagan was able to do and what he did best was he spoke to Americans. We have such a segmented society now where we talk to people in groups. We talk to black Americans, to white Americans, to Native Americans. We speak to Latinos. We talk about Latino voters and we segment them, gay and straight and trans and rich and poor. And Reagan spoke to Americans. He spoke in American principles that Americans still believed in. Now, I may be too much of a pie in the sky guy. Maybe I'm too much of a positive thinker, but I think those those elements still hold true in America. We're in it together. It's good for all of us. It's bad for all of us. And, and nothing's an absolute. You understand the the country as a whole is heading in the right direction or it's heading in the wrong direction. And the vast majority of Americans believe we're heading in the wrong direction. couple of things and a mixed bag of news here. Metro Phoenix home prices tick down, but sales inch up. And it talks about what buyers should know. So the housing market has cooled off. Housing prices have dropped off a bit. They were setting records. They aren't setting records anymore. But more people are able to jump into the market now. Uh, it is looking like the Fed is going to do another three-quarters of a point. If that is something that's going to happen, eventually that's going to reach mortgages. So many people are trying to jump in the market now to try to get locked in while they can. Um, so we're going to watch what's happening. Um, inflation will cause tax breaks for some. That's also decent mood, but our decent news, um, hiring reaches a turning point. Should bosses hire now or see if a recession hits in the economy? There is, I don't know of anybody that it said, that doesn't say we're already in a recession or we're going to be in a recession. And that's where the fear lies because you don't want to get caught doing the wrong thing. And, and that's where we're at. It, it, it's just hard to look at it in any other way. High interest rates can take a long time to bring down inflation. This is a Wall Street Journal story. And that's the other part of it. Is it going to be a long road? The president is talking about the ways that he wants to fill the strategic oil reserve. People are skeptical of what's going to happen. And when you look at what's happening in this recession in the United States, you can say it's happening around the world. And there's no doubt that it is. But the policies of this administration have caused it to to accelerate. They haven't done everything they can to slow it down. That's been my big complaint, my beef with this administration is how tone deaf they are. And they're, in my mind, they are absolutely tone deaf. The President of the United States This weekend said um, that things I want you to listen a little bit of what the president says. The president of the United States is talking about the economy, what he's done and what Republicans are offering.
1: It's been back and forth with them ahead, us ahead, them ahead, back and forth. And the polls have been all over the place. I think uh, that we're going to see one more shift back to our side the closing days. And let me tell you why I think that. We're starting to see some of the good news on the economy. Gas prices are down sharply in 46 of the 50 states because of what I've been doing. We're moving in the right direction. There's more to come. State unemployment today, state unemployment, was all-time lows in 11 states, and 17 states have unemployment rates under 3%. The new deficit numbers... There's a a record, a record decrease. It's never happened before. The election is not a referendum. It's a choice. It's a choice. And the Republican criticize my economic record. But look at what I've inherited and what I've done. And look at what they're offering. They want to double down on the Trump tax cuts for the wealthy, make them permanent because they're going to expire in 2025. They want to send jobs overseas where big corporations can, in fact, pay lower wages, increase their profits. So
0: who that resonates with are the uh, the voters that are already voting in his party right now. They always will do that. Right now, the government revenue has received from taxes and other sources to pay for government expenditures. And the U.S. has collected four point nine trillion dollars in the fiscal year of twenty twenty two. It is a brand new record. So I want you to understand that when we talk about the, how we argue this, how we fight this, I'll tell you where I stand. It. I'm not. I'm not preaching Republican politics. I'm preaching my politics, which is why. I line myself up with the principles of the Republican Party, which I also have to admit begrudgingly, they don't adhere to many times either. Way too much spending on the right as well. There's way too much spending. But the, 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 this government, this president is raising taxes. They've already said it. They've already done it. They're going to raise taxes on the wealthy, which some of the country thinks is a decent idea. At the same time, they're going after businesses and saying, you make too much money, lower your prices, especially in the oil and gas industry. We are going after the energy producers, and you're demonizing them because they are raising their prices and getting record profits. You have record revenue into the United States Treasury, record revenue. Over and over and over again. And you are raising prices. You are raising taxes on the wealthy. So why wouldn't the American people see the hypocrisy in that? This is where my biggest problem With other Americans that that look at the raising of taxes on wealthy people and think it's a good idea. Uh, I don't know that it ever makes the country better. For everybody out there that's been told for years that your life is going to improve when they raise taxes on the rich because they're going to have more programs for you and things are going to get better. Has your life improved? And the answer is it hasn't. In 99 percent of the cases, it hasn't. There are some people that get helped. And I believe in programs. I believe in safety nets. But I think they should be done at the local level and not the federal level. But when we're talking just in basic planning and basic ideals, basic policy, you are getting record revenue into the Treasury. And instead of making sure the American people keep every single penny in their pocket that they possibly can without you taking it from them in the federal government, you're doing the opposite while you're Going after private industry for their record profits. At the very minimum, both are making record profits: the oil companies and the United States Treasury. And I just don't see how you don't. In, you see the hypocrisy in your words. And I think it's going to come back to haunt a lot of people. In a moment, uh, the president says he believes he has a great record when it comes to crime. We're going to let you hear what they had to say and why that matters. Coming up in just a moment. Thanks for being here. Uh, The president of the United States says he believes they have a great record on crime. Uh, He was asked by Peter Ducey from Fox News, White House correspondent, um, about it. And he said, Mr. President, ahead of these midterms, how big of an issue is crime? He said, I think it's real important and I think we have a great record on it. And uh, they just don't. It's not the White House. Again, I I didn't think it was fair to blame President Trump. It's not fair to blame President Biden in as much as him personally, but the policies, there is no doubt now the duck and cover that's happening from the people that were advocates of defunding the police have, it has proven to be disastrous in some places. If you look at the huge uptick in the drug usage and it is, even here in, in Phoenix, which isn't anywhere nearly as bad as other parts of the country, we have really got to start facing the facts that we have people on the street that are addicted to drugs. There is an op- opioid epidemic, this fentanyl epidemic that is killing people, but it is also disabling people. We have become a, 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 a city of zombies in some places walking around that are so strung out on these drugs. It is heartbreaking to see. And, you know, warehousing people, locking people up is not the answer, but getting people help, stopping access to some of these drugs are actually part of the issue because there is also crime that comes along with this, I am not someone that thinks that you should punish addiction. I do believe that addiction is a disease. I believe that wholeheartedly. But what you cannot do is ex- excuse criminal behavior to feed that habit. That's another thing we can't do. We cannot say as a society, oh, that poor person is an addict, so we're going to forgive the shoplifting and the robbery and the other things that are happening to feed that addiction. That's not fair either. You've got to pay the price. For the crime you commit. And at the same time, we as a benevolent society can offer you assistance to try to get the help you need so that you can get off of these drugs. And that's not the only thing that's happening in crime. We understand human nature that there is predatory behavior in some people. Uh, You know, if if you. And I were in a vehicle together, and I'm speaking to most of you, 90, 95% of you. If we were driving in a vehicle at night and we saw a young girl, side of the road, a young person, doesn't matter if it's a girl, a young person on the side of the road, flat tire, looking as if they were in trouble. We would want to pull over, make sure they had spoken to an adult, make sure they had spoken to a parent. Are they okay? Do they have a tire to change into? Uh, and we would help them in any way we could. I believe that to be true of most of us because we have all have kids kids, or most of us have kids, and if that was one of our children, we would want someone there to help them. There is a segment of our society that would see that as an opportunity to prey upon that person in one way or another. And it's ugly, but though, that's, that lives among us. When they have an opportunity to rob, when they have an opportunity to steal, when they have an opportunity to attack, they do. And if we don't have professionals that are willing to stand in the gap, New York City is now saying that they are going to up police patrols on subways because of these attacks that continue to happen on New York subways. Why are these things happening? Well, we have demonized the police. We have made it look as if the police were the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys. And it's happening in cities across this country. New York was one of them. Minneapolis, St. Paul, another one. Chicago, Portland, Seattle. Go look around the country. San Francisco, L.A., Look around the country at agencies where the defund the police movement had moved in there and taken hold. And you look at the disastrous effects. And not only that. It's not just lack of police officers on the street or respect for them. But you take a look at what the L.A. County um, prosecutor, we would say county attorney, they would say district attorney in, in George Gascon, who used to be at one time the police chief in Mesa, Mesa Arizona. He went on to become the uh, prosecutor in San Francisco. He's now moved down to L.A. and the sheer anger and frustration coming from citizens and coming from um and coming from, uh, police as well. Here in Arizona, there was an attack on the light rail. And, um, I looked up, as far as I can tell, I looked up, I looked up the perpetrator in that shooting in, uh, on the light rail and it looks as if as as early as re, most recently as 2020 they said he was wearing an, a monitoring device but as early as recently as 2020 he was arrested on aggravated assault charges with a deadly weapon it looked as if that was dropped and he pled guilty to or was found guilty of disorderly conduct but originally the charges were assault with a deadly weapon basically and this is what frustrates citizens, that we need to – I'm not saying we should build more jails and stack them and pile them in. I'm not screaming that. But what I am saying is if you're the victim of a crime, especially a violent crime, and then you find out the person that, that, that victimized you shouldn't have really been out on the street because they've had multiple chances and they've shown themselves to be a violent person and the system keeps letting them out, it's rubbing salt in that wound. If you believe, well, everybody knew this was a dangerous person, what were they doing out on the street? And this is where society gets frustrated. When the president of the United States said they believe they have a great record on crime, it's one more level of being tone deaf. It is one more level of them absolutely being out of touch with the reality that people are facing. Thankfully, here in the city of Phoenix, they got the message. Now, I've been to a couple of, of events with the mayor, and she has stated emphatically at these events, we have never and will never defund the police. That's good news. That's part way there. Are we going to fully fund the police? Are we going to say as a city, as our city management, both Republican and Democrat, going to hold hands and say we support law enforcement? We are going to do what we have to do to punish or get rid of bad cops. But as a profession, we love the men and women who support or who defend our city, who patrol our city streets. I know that it, when all of this to fund the police stuff was going on, the city of Glendale, the city council members in Glendale made personalized videos. They got sent to their police department saying, hey, we respect. You, we love what you do. Thank you for what you do in our community. We need more of that. And when we start seeing city management both upping pay and respect for officers, you're going to get good recruits. That's coming. But we have now is the time to make that decision. Now is the time. We talked earlier a bit about education, and I want you to hear a little bit more about it. When I had a conversation with one gubernatorial candidate this weekend, so we're going to do that coming up here in just a moment.